0: To them, in the mighty name of Jesus, we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. So this evening, I want to share the word of God with you. Amen. And it's a very interesting topic. Actually, this is the first time I'm preaching a topic like this. History always repeats itself, but we never learn. History always repeats itself, but we never learn um i believe this is a special message the lord want to give to the church to bring the church to that point where we can do a retrospection of how things have been till now and look at where we are going and to see whether indeed we are thriving as he as we ought to the last time i spoke here by the grace of god i talked about the fact that ye are gods we are gods beloved we have not been able to work in our full potential as men and women of God. Because we, no, we, we still do not learn. The things that make great people fall. The great things that make the church, that makes the church not to be able to advance as it ought to. All of them have been recorded, but it seems like we do not learn. And I pray that by the time we are down tonight, the church will come to the place where we will be, where we will be castrated in our hearts. And we come to the understanding that we need to go back, remember our first love, go back to the place of steady and prayer, so that we can advance the course of the kingdom of God. Because God wants the church to advance like never before. You know, I've been saying this, and I'll continue to say this, that the enemy knows that the end of the ages is very near. He knows that his time is very near. That's why the Bible says that for the enemy, the devil, he's roaring like a lion. Every time, and you know the funny thing, he doesn't sleep every day 24-7. He's on the move, trying to do whatever it takes to make the church sleep. So if we as the children of God, if we are not conscious of the schemes of the enemy, then we'll always fall prey and we'll not be able to advance as we ought to. In the book of Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 to 2, the Bible says that now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. And other versions say, though he owns everything, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. The time appointed by the father is maturity. Other verses say, until he reaches the point of maturity. That is, the point that, that is the point that that child can be the owner of the estate of the father. Beloved, but he is under guardians. He's under tutorship. He's continually tutored until he gets to that point. Meaning that until he gets to that point, the father has set as the scheme for maturity, until he gets there, though he has the title as an heir, he's not different from any other person. He will never have that possession. Beloved, our Father has given us everything there is and everything that we need. But the way I cannot take thousand dollars and give to a child who is two years old to go and spend or to take care of it, so can't our Father give something so precious to you whilst you are not matured enough to handle them. If you are not mature to handle certain things, instead of them becoming blessing to you, they might end up becoming curses. You know, a fire is a good servant, but a bad master. If you don't know how to handle a fire, it will be good to you though, but at the end it will destroy you. And that is the same with the gifts and the packages our God gives to us. When we come to him as children, he equips us. We go through teachership. We go through a level, some, some maturity level. And as we grow and as we grow and as we grow, we get to a point where the master is confident enough to handle over everything to us. Not that we don't have. Just that we haven't gotten to that point to take care of them. So that he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. You know why it is, very, it is very important for you to learn? Knowledge is very important. So when you read the book of Proverbs, it always talks about three things. I call it the, the Holy Trinity. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. These three things are very important in life. If you don't have knowledge, it will be difficult for you to even understand. Because what are you understanding? Because knowledge, you need to have some set of information before you can begin to brood upon them, think about them, dissect and go deeper. And as you get understanding into the information at your disposal, that is when you are able to apply. So I always say... Wisdom is the effective application of knowledge. The the gap or the distance between knowledge and wisdom is understanding. How you understand what you have been given depends how you can apply it into your life. That is why we have a group of students. They will all go to school. They will all learn the same things, but at the end, some will get F and some will get an A. They were all given the same information. But then how come that some some got A and some got F? The, dis- the difference between them is their level of understanding or comprehension. If we do not learn, we cannot know. If we do not know, we cannot possess. When you go to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 1, the Bible says that, that which has been is that which will be. And that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. That is why you need to learn. Because everything happening now has happened before. The, most part, the, the funny thing is that because we don't learn, we end up repeating the same mistakes our forefathers made. And if you end up doing the same, so assuming that we have three people here, And the first one takes a certain certain direction and he dies. The next person takes the same direction and he dies. And I seeing those two people taking that same direction and dying, will I take that same route? Because when I take that route, I will die. So if I end up taking that same route and I die, it is not God who killed me, it is my own foolishness. Lack of knowledge, my people perish. That is why you need to learn. That's why you need to read. That's why you need to search. The children of today, we do not have time to sit down and read the book. Knowledge is power. What makes two people different is what they know. Yes. I know chemistry. You may not know chemistry. So when we stand, we are talking about things pertaining to chemistry. You may be ignorant of, of a lot of things. And because of my understanding in chemistry, it will make me kind of different from you. And you will end up listening. So the reason why, you know, and I want to say this. The reason why now it's as though a lot of preachers, they have lost their audience. is because now we have a lot of shepherds who do not learn. So because they do not learn, it gets to a point where the sheep know so much that it seems as though what the shepherd is presenting is far below. They are standard. And when it gets to that point, it becomes difficult for them to continue to follow that person. So they will end up looking for somebody else who is way advanced to be able to pour into them. Beloved, let us learn. Let us learn because everything has been recorded. Everything has been recorded in scripture. They have been recorded so that we get to know that we do not make the same mistakes. We, if we end up making those same mistakes, we are the most pitied. There is an adage in Ga- in 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 in, in akan from Ghana. I don't know whether it's an adage or whatever, but say that first fool is not a fool. Second fool is not a fool, but the third one, that person is the correct fool. Why? Because he saw what had happened to the first one. Didn't take. Didn't advise him or herself. Then he saw what has happened to the, the second person. They didn't also advise himself. And then ended up making that same mistake. I pray that we get to that point where we don't make such mistakes in the mighty name of Jesus. So I want to talk about the, some group of people, the chosen ones. God intentionally picked them. And the purpose of which God picked them was to glorify himself through them. So that through them, people and the world will get to know of Yahweh. So When you, get, when you go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, verse 6, to 8, the Bible says that, And Joshua died, and all his brothers, and all the generations, and all that generations. But the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose a king over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. You don't know Joseph. You did not know what this man had done. You didn't know how this man, through the revelation he received, was able to save the whole land of Egypt. Forgetting that man, that man even became a prime minister. So when you go to the next one, can you move? Therefore, so before you get to this, this point, you get to realize that now that king saw how the people of Israel were so blessed. And you know, sometimes you become so blessed that now the enemy is scared of you. Because blessing attracts the attention of the enemy. Now, the, the, the Pharaoh was afraid and scared that the way these people are multiplying and the way these people are very strong, if you do not do something about them, it will get to a point where we will become slaves in our own land. So, therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with burdens and they built for pharaoh supply cities um, python and ramses but the more they afflicted them the more they multiplied and grew and they were and they were in dread of the children of israel so the egyptians made so the egyptians made the children of israel serve with rigor let me tell you this here alone what we just read is indicative of these people of Israel that they were called the blessed ones. So here the Bible is making us understand that these people were so blessed. They were so blessed that the more the enemy afflicted pain, the more the enemy tried as much as possible to bring them down, the stronger they became. Isn't it awesome? That you are so blessed that no matter what the enemy tries to do, the more he tries, the more you get blessed. Can I submit to you that it is the blessing of God that maketh rich. And when the Lord blesses you, no matter what the enemy does, you are called the blessed. The most important blessing you can receive from this world is the blessing that comes from God. In the book of Exodus chapter 3 verse 17. So when when God saw all that the people of Israel were going through now, God said that, Ah, I've seen the affliction of my people. Now I am ready. To do something. So, and, I have, and I have said, I will bring, up, I will bring you up out of afflictions of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and to the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. To a land flowing with milk and honey. With all these blessings, with all these afflictions, God was still even promising them. Of the fact that they are gonna be even much more and more and more blessed they are going to a land filled with milk and honey the people of Israel were so blessed they were blessed the book of Numbers chapter 22 verse 7 to 13 so it got to a point where now the people of Israel had been now liberated from the from the land of Egypt and they started advancing to get to the promised land because God said I'm giving you a place flowing with, flowing with what? milk and honey. So they started their moving. So, there were seven. So the elders of the Moab and the elders of Media departed with the divinest fee in their hand and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. So now they got to a place, they got to the Moabite land and there was a king called Balak. Balak had heard of what the people of Israel had done, how they've conquered nations and Balak was afraid. What Balak sought to do? was to curse them. God realized that the way these people are blessed, the only way we can deal with them is not with spears. The only way we can deal with them is to curse their blessing. So, they sent people to go and uh, inquire from ba- um, to go and tell Balaam to actually curse these people. So, then God said to Balaam. So, then God came to Balaam and said, "Who are these men with you?" Here's the next verse, so Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippel, king of Moab, he has sent to me saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I'll be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse their people, for they are blessed. Other version says, For they are blessed beyond curse. I'm just starting from a point. I just want to build a case that these people were called the blessed. No matter what they did, they were blessed. But can I submit to you that with all these blessings the Lord made available to them, there was something wrong with their lives. Something way, way wrong. Beloved, with all the blessings God gave to them, With all the things, the many things that God did for them. There is something that theologians call the seven sins of Israel. The seven sins of Israel. The seven sins of Israel. So the first one was that God will give them a land to rest. And after he has given them a land to rest, then when they are resting, then they will forsake the Lord. So now... When they forsake the Lord, then, they, then Israel will fall into the hands of, the, of their enemies. And when they fall into the hands of their enemies, then they will serve their oppressors. So when they serve their oppressors, then they will cry to God. That, oh God, please forgive us. We are tired. It is too much. The labor is too much. Then the Lord will raise a judge to come and save them. And when the judge comes and save them, then the oppressor will be subdued. And when the oppressor is subdued and now they have rest, do you know what they do again? They will forsake the Lord again. And it happened and happened. So like they call it the seven cycles or the seven sins of Israel. Beloved, it doesn't matter how much you are blessed. It doesn't matter how God has promised you whatever it takes. Let me tell you, there's something called process. If you don't go through the process, if you don't get to that point of maturity, you will not be able to fully subdue and fully take charge. If you don't get to that point where you wholeheartedly let go of yourself and say that, Father, I give you my all, just take charge of my life, and you decide to do things in your own way, in your own pace, let me tell you, you will not go anywhere. Because in scripture, some people have tried it before. They did it several times and it did not end well with them. Why is it that the church is so blessed? When we call on the name of Jesus, he answers us. We come to the church and people are sick and we pray and they get healed. Why is it that the church is full of Billonians and Trilonians? Why is it that the church is so full of scholars? Why is it that the church is so blessed in every capacity and in every way? But it's as though the church is not advancing. It's like the church is growing and getting up and up and up and up. Then we will decline like that. We are always going through recession. We are going, always going through the, what is wrong with us? What is the problem? Why is it? Whenever God gives us rest, whenever God gives us peace, we forget Him and we think that we have gotten to where we are because of our own strength, because of our own wisdom, because of our own money, because of our status in life. These mistakes will cause you to fall. These mistakes will not help you to see the glory of God. Because God always wants to be glorified in whatever you do. Whenever the church neglects God and tries to be mechanical, mechanistic in the things they do, they try to substitute the Holy Spirit with their own knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, that is when the church begins to fall. Now it's as though now the church wants to relegate the Holy Ghost to to the sideways and do things on their own pace. Oh, I have, some, I have doctors and whatever on my church council. I have um, business uh, um, tycoons in my church council. Oh, I have this. I have gone to theology. I have studied this and that and that. So I am me. So when they are talking, instead of them to allow the Holy Ghost to have his way in them, they decide to now count on only their head knowledge. And beloved, can I submit to you that by strength shall no man prevail. By strength shall no man prevail. Always God will give them rest. They will forsake him. Then they'll fall into the hands of their enemies. Then their enemies will subdue them. And in their sub, in that period, now they will turn to Jesus so that God have mercy. And God will always have mercy. But can I can I ask you, assume that you have a child, that every time when he's growing and building up, as he has gotten to a point where you think he's supposed to advance, then he will fail and he has to go back and start everything again. He's getting to a level, you think that, ah, now this my child is now getting to this point, then he will go back. Will you be so proud of him? God hasn't created us to always be reversing. That's why when you're walking, you don't walk this way. Anyone walking, you walk forward, you only stop and reverse when you have to do it. When necessary. But no man in his right senses will always be walking backwards like this. No, that is not how life is. And you know, God has made all these things so that we can learn from them. The Bible says for the visible things, for the spirit for the invisible things are understood by the visible things. So the visible things we see, it helps us to be able to comprehend the spiritual things. So if these physical things you can't understand, how can you understand spiritual things? And when you look at these sins of the Israelites, why they were doing all these things, it was predicated on some, some key things. One, leadership vacuum. Leadership problem. One of the key things we are, we are having in the church is leadership problem. Leaders who do not know God. Leaders who have no succession plan. Leaders who don't have any idea about leadership building the capacity of men. One of the main differences between Moses and Joshua is this before moses left there was a joshua but when joshua left there was none let's go to the book of um joshua chapter Judges, chapter 1 verse 1. now after the death of joshua it came to pass that the children of israel asked the lord saying who shall be first to go up against the kingdom there was no leader there was no leader but when you go to the book of joshua chapter 1 verse 2. the Bible says that now Moses, my servant, now my my servant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go to this Jordan. He was speaking to Joseph. So you see that in, Je- in Joshua 1, it starts with someone. 1 who was already chosen by God. And if you want to know that, let's go to the book of Numbers 27. Numbers chapter 27, verse 15 to 18. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the Spirit of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Because it was getting to the point where Moses was about to transition. So he was in search. So once he was alive, he made sure that there was somebody worthy to take care of what he had started. That's what we call succession plan. Any church that doesn't have a succession plan will go down. It doesn't matter how beautiful the church will be. If the church leaders do not build the capacity of their members to take over, when the leaders leave, there will be no one to take over, and they will go down. A lot of ministries have gone down. A lot of ministries have been destroyed. A lot of churches have been destroyed because of lack of leadership. Leadership problems. And I pray, I thank God that holy life is not like that. But this is one of the main problems and challenges churches are facing. And if we do not take care of these leadership problems and challenges, it will get to a point where you'll be in heaven. The Bible says that since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you'll be part of the cloud of witnesses, you look down, and I don't know whether you'll be smiling or you'll be sad, saying that, is this the church I left? may God give us understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. The second one is ignorance. So the first one is leadership vacuum. The second one is ignorance. Judges chapter 2, verse 10 to 13. When all the generations had been gathered to their fathers, meaning that when all the generations had died, another generation arose after them. Who what, can you read it with me, who did not know the Lord, nor what the work which he had done for Israel. Hey, with all that God had done through a particular generation, now these people do so great and mighty work for God. Now they live and their new generation who come, they don't know company. This is indicative of a failed leadership as well. If you groom your people and your children well, that's why the Bible says that, for the fathers shall tell their children and their children's children. So they teach them. So they, you, have to continually, you have to continually teach your children. You have to continually teach your children. That's why it is important that you don't alone. you don't come to church alone. Please, when you're coming to church service, don't come alone. If you have kids, bring them. Wherever you go, take them with you. Any avenue you can imbibe the things of God into them, do it. I remember when I was a kid, one time it was raining. And my dad was preaching. My dad is a reverend minister. And I I checked my watch and it was time for church service. It was raining seriously. What I did was that I picked my suit. But then I, I think I was less than 13 years. I picked my suit and I walked about, I don't know, the amount, house should I calculate it? Maybe about six miles. I rushed to that, that place without a car. I got there and I was all wet. I don't know what drove me there, but there was some passion. There was some zeal. There was something boiling up in me. And it was because every time when I'm, when I'm with my dad and my mom, they're always reading the Bible to us. They made us get to that point where we were ready to give our all to God. And that is what you are seeing here. I am a deposit of the hard work of my mother and my father and the many prayers they've prayed upon my life. Whatever you are doing, even if it seems as though your children are not really following, just continue to pray for them. One day, they will look to you and they will say that, Daddy, Mommy, thank you. You gave me something very precious. Don't be like these people where when, the, when a generation passed, And there was no one. They didn't know about the God of their fathers. And what happened? Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The evil things we are seeing today is as a result of that gap. The third one is disobedience. Disobedience. Disobedience in failing to drive away the Canaanites and the other people. When you read the book of um, Judges chapter 1. Verse, verse 19. So the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out the mountainous, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. But the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites when, um, who inhabited Jerusalem. So the Jebusites dwelt with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Let's go to the verse 27 or so. Yeah. However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshin and its villages, or whatever. All the villages are listed there. The, The names are complicated. God have mercy. God said that when you get there, drive everybody out. Kill all those that you have to kill. Make sure that you totally take charge of the place. You know, common sense will make you sometimes disobedient to the things of God. We, we put so much reasoning to everything God has told us to do to the point that we miss out on what God has told us to do. God says, drive these people out. And you're like, oh no, they have these things. So let us keep them. Let us take them into bondage. Let us make them slaves. Let them serve us. Did God say that they should be slaves to you? Or did God say that drive them out? You know, it's not about what you think. Because our God sees farther than we see. So whenever we think we are wiser than God, in the long run, we we'll see how foolish and stupid we've been. Disobedience. The Bible says that if you love me, keep my command. The God's command is always simple. But because we are materialistic, we are like, ah, God, you see all this gold and diamond. You are saying we should hey, throw them all to the dustbin. Ah, God, this one. Bang. No, no, it's not you who is saying it is the devil. I rebuke you. You keep, the, you keep the diamonds. You keep the gold. And at the end, that's, those same material things will kill you. They were supposed to drive them out. Beloved, I have other key points to talk about, but time will not permit me. So maybe the next time I get the opportunity to continue, I'll continue from this side. but, Ronnie, really, please remind me that I'll continue. But please, I want to tell you this. Deal with things that you know that you need to deal with in your life. Bring them to God every day. If you know that there are, you are going through some addiction in life, you know that certain things that are foreign are in your body. Bring them to God. If you let them stay, they will grow and they will become a pest to you. And because of that, you may have what we call stunted growth in life. A lot of people are not able to advance again. Because a lot of things are holding them back. And they are not. They have become like Saul. Who said that I have destroyed all the sorcerers. I have destroyed all the mediums. But when, when someone was dead and gone. And they needed direction. Do you know what they did? They went to the, he, he went to the Edomite woman. He disguised himself. Went to the Edomite woman to go and inquire. Hey, that which you said you have destroyed. You know. Your heart is truly tested when you encounter a challenge in life. A lot of people say, I love God. But you are lying. You don't. Because when you go through challenges and situations in life, that's when you realize whether you indeed love Him or you never loved Him. You are just saying it out of your, uh, out of your mouth. That is why it is very important that in the church, you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you might be here. You might have heard a lot of sermons over and over again. But you haven't really gotten to that point where you've built that relationship with God. Today, God wants to extend an invitation to you. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how old or what you've experienced in life. What God wants is a close relationship. All that God wants from you is your obedience. God wants us to get to up and where we say, God, we surrender. Now, it's no more about us, but it is all about you. When we learn to be obedient to God, the lines will fall in pleasant places for us. Can we close our eyes wherever we are? Close your right wherever you are. Oh to Jesus I surrender all. to thee my free I will ever love and trust in. Just pray somebody. Just speak to God right now. And just tell God, I give you my all. I surrender all. I surrender all. Can you pray to God? It doesn't matter how your past has been. It doesn't matter the challenges you've, you've been through. God is ready for you. He doesn't want us to repeat the mistake of our forefathers. He doesn't want us to repeat their mistakes. He wants us to build a relationship with Him. So we can set the path straight. And be on the right course. All eyes closed. If you are here. And you know within your spirit. That ah. Today I want to accept Jesus. As my Lord. And personal Savior. I'm tired of my own life. I'm tired of going my own ways. I'm tired of always denying you, God. Now, I'm ready to give you my all. If you are here, just show by hand. Now, come and pray with you. If you are here and you want to give your life to Jesus, just show your hand. Because God is ready to meet you at the point of your need. He's ready to Don't look at anybody sitting beside you. It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with God Because the coming of the master is at hand When he comes He will not say that you were shy So I have forgiven you When he comes It is what he has said It is what it is If you're also here And you feel like you want to really Rededicate your life You want to put your hand on your heart And just begin to pray And tell God that Father align me with you From henceforth I want to be aligned with you In everything I do I'm tired of myself. I'm tired of being wise in my own ways. I give you me. Have your way in my life. I'm ready to walk with you. I'm ready to walk with you, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you, O God, that you've made us understand that there is nothing new under this sun. History always repeats itself, O God. And you've made all these things known to us so that we will learn from them. Father, I pray that may we be humbled, take away any pride and arrogance that will cause us not to learn. Bring us to that place where our passion and our desire would be to know you and to know you more. And to understand the value of the price you paid on the cross. Thank you. If anyone is sick here, I declare the person healed and whole I come against any cancer come against any sickness Ah, you are made whole in the mighty name of Jesus I declare you whole in the mighty name of Jesus Father, we thank you We bless your name In your name have we prayed With thanksgiving Let all saints say Amen Before I sit down, I really want to appreciate my beautiful, awesome, wonderful wife Dr. Abigail Bermadonko. and She might be watching um, online I want to say I love you baby So I'm done. If you need prayers, kindly come and let us pray. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at Brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.